You're listening to the We Talk Seahawks podcast, a podcast brought to you by Seahawks UK. Stay tuned to our weekly episodes for pre-game and post-game shows, as well as fun and engaging discussions, and hopefully some special guest interviews along the way. Thank you for listening, stay tuned, and go Hawks! Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you've all been well. Um, I'm your host, James, as always. With me today, I have Pez. Pez, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Long time no speak. Oh, how are you nah. doing? Uh, I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good. Um, free agency is sort of... It's calmed down a bit now. We've had time to process everything, and um, I'm looking forward to diving in and seeing what we've... Uh, going over what we've done so far. Um, and also joining us tonight, we've got Matt, as always. Matt, how are you, mate? Hello, hello. Yes, again, I'm very good, thank you. Long long time no see. Um, yep. Just been spending loads of time making use of the uh, the new rules and restrictions. Obviously, lockdown's starting to lift over in the UK, isn't it? So uh, mm-hmm. it's just nice to be able to get out and uh, go and see some friends and uh, yeah, just get out and about a bit more. That's 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 my last few weeks. Lovely jubbly, like I say, yeah, it's... Um it's all looking up a little bit now. Lots of lots of people getting their jobs. Pubs opening soon. Hopefully, fingers oh, crossed. Yes. Draft season coming, and then before you know it, we'll be we'll be hung over and we'll wake up and it'll be the start of the season again. Um, so it is going quick. Um, and like I say, free agency first sort of months passed by now, and it's all sort of starting to calm down. There's still still some sort of big name guys left available, um, but the, the majority of guys who are grabbing the headlines of free agency, have done their business. Um, the Seahawks have certainly done some business as well, um, and that's what we'll be talking about in this episode. We'll be just going over the main sort of signings that the Seahawks have picked up um, and the key talking points from our off-season so far, and, and just giving you sort of our initial reactions to, to each of the signings we've made and, and um, yeah, just having a little rundown of our off-season so far and, and, and how we think we've improved. So... We'll start off in chronological order. Um, we'll work our way down. Like I said, we won't mention every single free agent signing that we made, otherwise we'd be here for hours and hours. Um, so we'll start off with the first signing that the Seahawks made. Obviously, the Seahawks were a little bit of, as they always seem to be, sort of a little bit slow starters. They sort of missed the jump a little bit on a few guys in free agency, a few of the main offensive linemen. Um, but the first sign they made wasn't an offensive lineman. It was in the secondary cornerback at Kello Witherspoon signed a one-year $4 million deal with the Seahawks from the San Francisco 49ers. Um, a little bit of background on Witherspoon. Um, he's 6'2", 47 games, 33 starts in his career so far after coming into the league in 2017 as a third-round pick for the 49ers. Um, four interceptions, one of those being a pick six. Um He's got the, an ex-teammate that's obviously now a, a current teammate alongside him in DJ Reed, who's we've heard speak highly of him in recent days, saying that he's extremely athletic, he's a really good player, got some really good traits. And he is a, a Keller Witherspoon from what I've seen of him. He's really athletic, really sort of, I'd say, a 6-2. It, it, I've, really, I've, I've, I've compared him. Hopefully he doesn't play like this guy. Um, but in terms of his athletic stature and his, and his sort of... His raw sort of, you know, measurements and his athletic ability. He, he looks a lot like Trey Flowers in terms of his height, his, his, his the length of his arms. Um, he's very quick, very nimble for, the, for his size. Um, can match up against pretty much any receiver, like I say, with his six-two height. Um, big long arms. 
a little bit of a lack of production um, is is the main concern with Witherspoon. He, he, you know, maybe a little bit too raw in terms of his talent so far, and, and he needs to refine that. But he's still young, um, still got time to develop, and I think it's look, it's not the in an ideal world we'd have gone out and signed Carl Fuller, um, or we'd have gone out and signed a Dory Jackson or someone like that in the you know for the secondary and, and to beef up our cornerback position, which is looking a bit thin on the outside uh, with Justin Keller with a spoon and Demarius Randall who we brought back today and who's going to play at cornerback um, as well. But in terms of raw outside cornerback talent, they're it's looking a little bit weak. So they they bring in with a spoon, hoping that he's going to sort of put it all together, so to speak. He's had a few sort of injury setbacks here and there, um, which have stopped his play time as, as well a little bit. So as long as he stays healthy and he sort of starts to refine his, his talents, I think you could see a really good player there. And I think there's a lot of people who think really highly of him. He just needs to put it all together now. And to be fair, he's come to a defensive back room coached by Pete Carroll and, 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 and all the coaches in there. And obviously does Sean Shedd. Now on the coaching team, a really good cornerback and, and, and safety in his day as well. Um, so there isn't many better places in the NFL that he could have come to refine his game as a cornerback in terms of you know Seattle and the Seahawks historically working well with cornerbacks and defensive backs. So I'm optimistic that he can put it all together. If there's any way he could put it all together, I think it would be under Pete Carroll. I think that we can give Pete Carroll that, that he's a fantastic defensive backs coach historically. So... It's a cheap deal. It's a sort of it's 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 a win-win really. If he's if he's good, then you get a guy on a really cheap deal for a year, and then you re-sign him, and and you know a guy who'll, who'll put his trust in the organisation for picking him up and and stuff like that, and and re-signing. If not, then you know it's 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 a cheap deal, and 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 you look elsewhere as well, um, and you can replace him. So. Pez, what are your thoughts on on a killer with coming in? Uh, do you like it? Are you sort of a little bit of plan B, plan C kind of feeling from it. What's your feelings on him? It's just like a rotational piece, really, isn't it? Yeah. It, like our yeah. football, it's, he's, he's like a rotational squad player. Like from what I've read, some people like they, they relate to him like a bit like Richard Sherman. Like that's mm. what get people excited. His potential. Could, he, he's got similar attributes to what Sherman obviously nowhere near as yeah. good yeah. on the field because he's been benched a couple of times um, he had a bad knee injury what some people say has held him back in this last season is one of his like first proper seasons where he's um, like been fully fit mm. and he's shown good production but like I'd, I'd dig Pete out quite a bit but one thing he is good at is DBs he just knows how to pick these random guys up on cheap and then turns them into like one of the best corners in the league that season so DJ Reed last season isn't it it's a a carbon copy type of signing isn't it yeah exactly exactly so it's just the position itself just worries me a little bit Um, Mm. it just seems like except for DJ Reed massive fan of his like People are unsure about him being a star on the outside next season, and like we should be getting someone new. We should be getting someone new. But no, nah, I think yeah, I think he'll show everyone next year, fully in the team, full full preseason, full training camp, more integration into the team, 
people realise how good he is. But then the other side is just what Witherspoon, Trey Flowers, Randall's back been designated as a cornerback. He was play- he was training as a safety last season. It's like it's just like a it doesn't fill you with confidence, does it? Reading no. out those names, no. Not really. So, for me personally, they've either got an eye on the draft, but they don't have the capital to really get mm-hmm. a top guy, unless, yet again, Pete's found this under-the-radar guy who he's going to bring in and he's going to shock everyone. Mm-hmm. Then my other thought on it is if they bring Sherm back. Now, yes. if they bring Sherm back, that Witherspoon signing, the Randall signing, Trey Flowers... It will it will make me a little bit more comfortable solely because it's, I don't want him to play. I don't want him to be. Oh, he's gonna shut down. He's gonna be this. He's gonna be because he's he's got too many injuries and he's at a bit of a later age now, probably to be able to get back to where he was. Mm. But what he does bring is a lot of experience and essentially like a coach. Yeah. For these younger guys, you remember when Shaq came in and his rookie? Oh, yeah. we got a rookie on that side. Blah blah blah. How well did Shaq play the season mm-hmm. after? Sherm left. Shaq had all the spotlight on him, and he sucked. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I said at the time, it's a clear indicator of what happens if you've got Sherm in your team to your cornerbacks as a whole because he expects high, and they play to what he expects because of that's the role model he is. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not even Witherspoon, it's just like the whole cornerback's outside corner position as a whole is a bit of a worry at the moment, for me personally. It is, like you say, I, I have the same, I think, inside cornerbacks in the slot, I think we were talking a, a little bit about this off air. Um, you've got DJ Reid, you've got Hugo Mardi, even Marquis Blair coming back from injury, um, and even Ryan Neal. Um, you've got some, you've got some talent in the sort of inside nickel slot corners across the middle of the field. It looks pretty good. It's, it's like you say, it's when you move to the outside, which is, you know, the real sort of important, you know, part of the of the cornerback position. It just without Dunbar now, without Shaq Griffin, it it just feels to me like say that it it looks a little bit light. It really does. That Dunbar, that Dunbar thing, sorry to just butt in here, yeah. that pissed me off. When I saw how much he signed for, like, All right. behind the scenes, yeah, he must, like, they must really not have liked him. He signed for the vet minimum. Hmm. And like, he got, like, he was, like, the second highest rated PFF cornerback when he signed. Yeah, and I know exactly. he was injury banged. I know he, like, he had all the off-season drama and he was a little bit injured and something with his hand or something. Um, but it's obviously a player there. He's obviously a very good player when he's healthy and that. So I'd have, I, w- I really wanted us to, to re-sign him and get him fully healthy and have a full sort of season with him and, and, and then make our minds up on him. So I'm a little bit surprised that they let him go, to be honest. Yeah, um, because when at the start of the season, when he was healthy and... He showed some flashes of potentially being really good in his team. And it's almost like Pete played him through that Bills game for whatever reason, played him injured. Mm. He got the heat for it all. And then slowly but surely, everyone started realising, well, Pete could have pulled him out as a head coach. So let's not write him off completely. If anything, Pete's just done him a disservice by 
injuring him further for the extent he played him in that game at the end of the day. Mm. You just pull the guy out, play a rookie, play a, uh, the next guy, like Pete's mantra, the next guy up. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly that mantra doesn't exist anymore <laughs> because he played an injured guy. And I just, I just, I thought we would have got him back. I was very surprised, like, especially for what he signed for. Was it the Lions he went to? Yeah, Lions, yeah. Like, that minimum. It is a head scratcher. It is a head scratcher. Matt, what's your opinions on the cornerback position, mate? He's sort of, like you say, we've touched on the sort of strengths of, our, of, of the cornerback position looks a bit more stronger and a bit more strength and depth inside. Are you confident with our outside cornerbacks and, and, and with the sign of Witherspoon, does that fill you with confidence or are you like us, are you a little bit sort of concerned that there's going to be a few mismatches in terms of opposition receivers and our cornerbacks coming into next season? Well, um, I'm glad you had some optimism to think that I might be confident in a modern day Seahawks <laughs> secondary. Let me tell you, I'm not. Um, I I don't dislike the signing. I don't mm-hmm. like. I I like I like the fact that they've gone to to fill in the position by signing a free agent instead of drafting a corner. Yeah. Uh, which you could probably do that as well with our whole three picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's nice to have someone with. NFL experience as opposed to straight out of college. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with being a, with having a rookie cornerback. I mean, could, could be ten times better, but I guess it's a risk you you're taking. Mm. Um, but like, I think we've got a number of positions. I think they're a bit thin on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, outside corners being one of them. Um. But it's not a bad signing. It's not. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's not mm. like we've just signed Tom Brady to the Bucks or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna break the internet. But no, no. If if he does a job, then happy days. I can't, can't really complain. So, like, like I say, that's it, it's what the Seahawks have sort of been good at. Really, is these the sign guys that don't break Twitter, don't break the internet, don't you know, get all the likes and all the YouTube videos and everything like that, all the YouTube views and that. But they do seem to find these guys, like with DJ Reed last season, um, even with guys like bringing Benson Mayo were in on the defensive line and Bruce Irvin, although he got injured, he was looking good. And, and you know, they do seem to find guys like Akello Witherspoon, like DJ Reed, who come in on really cheap deals and just, you know, play play really well. Yeah. And, I kind of like I say I'm I'm really hoping this is another one because we it's such an important position we really need him to be good and and to be a starter. So although it's a cheap deal and although it might not look much and a lot of people might skim over it and just go oh they signed a killer with us for you know, on a one year four million deal that's you know is what it is just another like little off season move. It's actually a really really big sign that if if he. It, or a really important one at least not a big name but it's a really important sign that if he turns out to be good yeah yeah I I completely agree I mean as well he's, he remind me he came from the Niners didn't he he did yeah yeah um, I mean maybe he'll bring a bit of 49ers defence knowledge in that he could share with the Seahawks perhaps with the offence mm-hmm. maybe divisional rival I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's not not a bad signing by any means, but 
it's probably far too early to judge, I reckon. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, if if it pays off, happy days. We've just got ourselves a good corner for pennies. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't pay off, then we'll have to start looking at. Well, I say we. They'll have to start looking at. Um, you know, trying to either organise a trade or just yeah. try and sort something out. I mean, there are other positions I think we might have a bit more concern for. Um, but you know, corners are pretty important, one, isn't it? So. It is. You don't want to. You don't skimp out on it too much. No, and especially this day and age when receivers are just come. Like the receivers in the NFL at the minute, when you see guys like DK Metcalf and 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 guys like like the receivers like at, at the minute in the NFL, like of course that like there's always a good standard of receivers in the NFL, of course. Oh, yeah. But in terms of the ones that have seemingly coming out of college in recent years, like there's just so many absolute freaks of nature at the receiver position <laughs> in the NFL. Like you have to have cornerbacks that are not able to win every single play against them, you know, pick the, you know, every single pass off and defend every single pass against them. Like you can't do that against these guys, but it's, it's, it's all about reliable. Can you do it? You know, can you cover him sort of 65% of the time? Can you cover him 60% of the time at, at, at worst? Like, we're not asking you to do it 100% of the time because you can't, but it's it's when it drops below that sort of 50%, 45% of times where, they're, you know, they're constantly getting beat. It, that's a, But if you can just sort of match up with them 60, 65% of the time on these snaps, then you're going to be a, a good cornerback in the NFL because, you know, people aren't expecting you to win every matchup. So if he can come in, and just hold his own and just start and, and be reliable because, like I say, I think that's what we'll, we'll come on to him a little bit in, in terms of Shaq Griffin. Like, we saw the talent that Shaq had. Like, and it, like say, like Pez said, in his rookie year, fantastic. Looked like the pick of the draft um, in terms of our draft class. Um, and then he got the sort of alternate Pro Bowl nod, so he wasn't quite a Pro Bowler, but he'll put it on his he'll put it on his CV that he that he made a Pro Bowl. Um, and and then he just sort of, 2020, just completely inconsistent, 2019 inconsistent. Like, it, it, you just have to be able to do it. If you can't do it at an elite level over the, over the course of your career, if you're not elite, just be consistent, just be reliable. And, and there's there's value of, of reliability in the, in the NFL. You know, you don't have to be elite to make it in the, like, in the NFL as a, as a coach. Just be reliable. Um, and I think that's what we've been crying out for, really, in terms of, a cornerback on the outside for for a little while now, just that real reliable presence on the outside. Um, so hopefully, Keller Witherspoon, like I say, he's got a lot of athletic talent, a lot of sort of got a bit of a bit of a freak of nature kind of guy, six two, but like he's really quick, really athletic, really long arms, a bit like Trey Flowers, like I said. Um, if he can play a little bit more like Richard Sherman, like I say, like we've mentioned, then that'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, or if not, we'll just get. You know, Richard Sherman's still available. Like I, we're talking, we're talking here as if Richard Sherman's not even, you know, is retired or on the Forty Nine ers. So like, what, what, I'm just thinking, why not just go and get Richard Sherman? Like, I know he has been injured, and I know his play will possibly decline and everything. But I, I, is it just me who really wants Richard Sherman back? Do you? No, not at all. I, I would, I would, yeah, I'd love him back. Even because I want him. Uh, like I said before, like he solely for the presence, yeah, the presence in the locker room, and his almost coaching and role modeling, role modeling. Like I saw it with, like I said, with Shaq. So 
if he can elevate Shaq in his rookie year to be a starting corner yeah. with him, is he going to be able to help <clears throat> Witherspoon, Trey Flowers, and all them other guys trying to fill that other position? Obviously, while still trying to fight for playing time, but realistically, he's a very smart guy. I don't mm. think he's going to be scrapping tooth and nail going in there thinking, I'm going to take that spot. Because no, no. I think he'll go in and he'll help these other guys. So, like, full just competition. And that's yeah. why I'd love him back. Oh, but, that's it. It, it just it just demands respect, wouldn't he? Yeah, but now the, the issue is, going down uh, off a bit of a tangent, like, would Pete Carroll truly want him back? I, I was going to mention whether you, whether you'll bring Pete Carroll into it. Um, look, 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 let's look at the situation. DJ Reed. Hmm. He's he's a let's like he's a gobshite. <laughs> yeah, I could I could Jamal, I, I, I Jamal could Adams. Yeah, gobshite well, yeah, or trash talker, whatever you want to call oh, him. Gobshite sounds better. They're trash talkers. Then you've got Diggs, who gobshite. can do it, but he kind of lets his hits do the talking. Mm. So then, could you imagine if you got Sherm back with that group? Oh, could you imagine what they create? Don't. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, see, oh, I see, see where you're going. The pattern. Obviously, hard to recreate the Legion of Boom, but if you look yeah. at it, Diggs is like your Chancellor figure who doesn't really vocally say too much. He does trash, but he just mm. rather hit someone and prove it. Mm. And you've got Jamal, Earl, gobshine, mm. runs around, mm. smashes everyone, lets mm. them know about it. Then you've got Keep DJ going. Reed. Yeah. DJ Reed, who just feeds off the energy. Mm. And then you bring Sherm back into that. Yeah. Ross is like going to be going to a counsellor with the amount of <laughs> crap they'll give him on the training field. They'll be picking him off every single day and they'll just be like, he'll be like shaking in the corner in his locker like, no, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Like, oh, oh. Those, those comparisons you were making there, I was getting, you know, the, the little sort of, the little comparisons you were making, I was getting really excited there, sort of comparing Earl and Jamal. And I, I, to be fair, I see a lot of DJ Reed and, and Earl Thomas as well. Very similar height, very you know, obviously play the, a similar position in terms of Earl being a free safety. And, and to be fair, DJ could probably play at free safety. Um, he, he sort of acts as it anyway. Um, but I, I really like Marquise Blair as well. I, like when he comes back from injury, what we've seen of Marquise, like, again, not a big talker, doesn't really do interviews, doesn't mouth off, but that kid can hit as well. He he likes hitting as well, and he's good at it. He's, he's really good at tackling. I as, like long as, as long as his injury doesn't hasn't affected him, yeah. he'll, he'll take that slot corner spot off uh, Ugo. I can love yeah. Ugo as well, but I just, watching all last year with him, I just think Blair's a bit more complete than him. Yeah. Like, Ugo does get beat in coverage too often, I think. Yeah. Towards the back end of the season, it yeah. became glaringly obvious when it means the most. Whereas I think if Blair was in there, I think he would have had more of a presence. More, like, it he w- he wouldn't be as obvious. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um so that's the that's the cornerback position. That's the the secondary touched on. Let's go to our second signing of the off season, Gerald Everett, tight end from the Los Angeles Rams. 
again, pretty cheap deal. Two years, six million deal. It's technically two years, um, but the second year is voidable. Um, for those of you who aren't aware or, or who don't understand the voidable contract thing, I'll try and explain it a, a little bit because to be fair, it's, it's confusing the, the fucking hell out of me as well. Um, but basically, it's a two, it's a, it's a two year deal, but the second year of his contract is what's classed as voidable now. So if the contract ends, um, and Everett is still on the, the Seahawks roster five days after this season's Super Bowl, um, then his contract will, in effect, just be tore up and, and he'll be a free agent. Um, so all the voidable year is, is basically a loophole that allows teams and allows the Seahawks to spread the costs of contract deals over the course of a short time. So it just allows, I think it's something like $2 million of this $6 million deal is, is going into that second voidable deal. So it's actually only like a $4 million like cap it this year in terms of salary that he's getting for this one year deal. Um, but if ever it comes to the end of this one year deal and he's, and he wants to remain in Seattle, then he will have to sign uh, a brand new contract as a free agent effectively. So it's technically a two year deal, but really it's, it, it, it's a one year deal with sort of, like I say, if he's on the roster, even just five days after, um, Super Bowl 56 this year's Super Bowl, um, which hopefully he'll have a ring for, then, He'll have to be a free agent and he'll have to re-sign as a free agent anyway. So it's pretty pointless. I don't really understand why they've brought it back. Um, it's just basically a, a salary cap loophole that teams are exploiting at the minute and just basically means you can hand out free money to people that they're not even guaranteed to get. So it doesn't really make sense. Um, but he's here for this year at least. And um, Gerald Everett, I like him. From what I've seen in the Rams offense under Shane Waldron, which is a, a big part of why he came, he's been quoted as calling Shane Waldron a mastermind. Um, I just think, again, there wasn't a massive market for tight ends this year in the NFL. Um, and I think in our tight end group recently, when you look at it, and I think the big factor that everyone's talking about in terms of Gerald Everett coming to Seattle and what he brings is the sort of, is it, they call it run after catch or yards after catch yards that he, that he gets. The yak. Bit, yak yards. That, yeah. That, that, it, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but we'll go with it. Yak yards. Um, he brings that to the offense and he's, he's hard to break down and, 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 and tackle in the open field once he's got the ball in his hands. That's why he's more dangerous. Um, and we haven't really had that from any of our tight ends. Will, you know, Will Disley isn't a sort of, a breaking tackles kind of guy. He's not really that quick. Same with Hollister. Same with, um, I mean, we haven't really seen that much of Colby Parkinson, but he doesn't look like that kind of guy. Um, although he is very athletic. Uh, and, I, and I am quite confident that Colby, Colby Parkinson will, will really come into his own and we'll, and we'll see a big role um, from him this season. Um, but even like, say, I mean, Greg Olson last year was a, you know, Greg's a fantastic player in his career, but he's, you know, he, he wasn't offering you anything in, in, in terms of, you know, yards after the catch. Um, but Gerald Everett, he's sort of a, a little bit like a kind of hybrid receiver. You could probably line him up as an outside receiver as well. Um, and again, yeah, cheap deal. He's worked under Shane Waldron, knows his offense, is a big fan of Shane Waldron. Um, he's coming and, uh, is, is raving about Shane Waldron. Um, so yeah, cheap deal, not a big market for tight ends. Guy who knows the system that, that's going to be implemented this season. It looks on the face of it, 
uh, a pretty solid signing. Um, Pez, what do you think, mate? Are you liking it? Yeah, I like it. I think it's quite a solid signing, really, um, <clears throat> because obviously it's kind of like a a piece to help Waldron out, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. it's like it, like Everett said in his uh, presser that like if it wasn't for Waldron, he wouldn't be in the position he was now. He's helped him develop over the years and becoming to the player he says I still feel like I'm developing so I'm happy I'm back with him because I can carry on my development as a player so that's great because that also means I'm going to say this very very optimistically as much as I can it might mean that Pete is going to let him make his own plays up never you've not seriously just suggested that (laughs) I just want to prove myself wrong, James. That's all it is. Like I, li- I like to prove myself oh. wrong on these things. So hopefully, if it does come right, I can go. We can yes. dream. We can yeah. dream it. But like I say, it feels like he's got a good reference off Shane Waldron, and, and Waldron's came in and sort of said, "Right, I'll, I'll take the job, but I'm bringing Gerald Everett with me." It, I kind of get that feeling from it. Yeah, it, it, it pisses me a little bit because I really, like you said, I really wanted to see what Colby Parkinson could do yeah. as a. Like a why as a receiving threat mm. tight end like his college tape shows because I really yeah. think Russell Wilson his height his size like when he came to the Seahawks everyone was talking he needs to beef up but when we saw him come in for the Jets game he looked like he put so much size on from when they drafted him mm. like oh he's a big so, lad so he's a big lad. It, it is a bit annoying but. In that regard, because it doesn't really give confidence on Will Disley either. I don't know whether it's a case of when his deal's up, it's kind of like, unless it's cheap, see you later kind of thing. Um, It doesn't really give you confidence that they have faith in him. What's a shame, because him and Russ have a really good connection. Um, But then another thing is what I was going to bring up anyway, but it's quite good because it kind of ties into it, is... I'm sick of seeing people talk about we need a wide receiver free as a very, yes. very important need. Yes. It does my tits in. To go Thank down you. a bit of a side note, Gerald Everett, if you watch how the Rams used him and you mm. watch what he's good at, he essentially can sneakily be a, t- a wide receiver free. Yeah. So yeah. even though he's been brought in at tight end and everyone's like, well, what about Disley? What about Parkinson? What about who else? who's over a tight end? Um, oh, you don't. I'm going to have a mind blank now. Parkinson, Disley. I think that's it. Tyler Mabry as well into a future. Tyler Mabry. Everyone was quite high on in pre-season last year, but then he got a season-engine injury. Mm. So he could be interesting. But if you look at it like that, it's like, yeah, he's a tight end. Oh, it's a bit questionable. But if he they start using him as wide receiver three like he's capable of doing, mm. then it's not not that bad. But I am sick of seeing it. Like, you see all these pages and you see all these people talk, what's the most important thing for the Seahawks? Wide receiver three. No, no, sorry. When you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, yeah. you don't need a wide receiver three. I could have saved this for the Tyler Lockett extension, but I feel like it fits in now, so I'll get it off my chest whilst I'm here. <laughs> um, you don't, you, why do you need a solid wide receiver three? Why do you need to go and break your balls? over Antonio Brown. Mm. 
I don't understand it. You've got Freddie Swain, Penny Hart, mm-hmm. bloody, all these guys on future deals, Aaron Fuller, uh, Cody Thompson, who everyone was very high on saying that. Like, I'll tell you another one who everyone seems to have forgot, John Urs- John Ursua. John, yeah, John Ursua, yeah. who essentially everyone's saying, like, oh, his age and how he is, he's just a slot mm-hmm. guy. Well, that's perfect. Tyler Lockett mm-hmm. can't afford to be in the slot anymore because no, no. he's injured too easily. He couldn't handle them, like, small... Not for 69.2 million over four exactly. years. He's not in the slot. He, he's got to be on the outside one-on-one yeah. where he's not going to get a big whack. Really, your slot guy kind of goes into the middle of the field and he gets a beating off the like linebackers and whoever's there ready to smash him. Mm-hmm. So you've got a sewer, you've got Penny Hart, who showed he's serviceable. Freddie Swain, I think, people are oh, sleeping on him. I really mm-hmm. think he could come out great this second season because he did mm-hmm. some really nice things. Um, And then you've got like Aaron Fuller, who's been signed to a Futures, um, Cody Thompson, big tall guy. Russ loved him apparently in pre-season yeah. from all the reports you read. So no, just leave it alone. And then you've got Gerald Everett. Who, like you say, yeah. You know what I mean? So I do really like it. I like it that they've got Waldron, a guy who he's familiar with, a bit like a comfort blanket. Whether or not Pete uses that, as we talk about in the past, uses that as a little, haha, got you, giving you someone you want, but you're still doing what I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have no doubt that that's what will be happening, but. Yeah, I really like it. I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Matt, what's your thoughts, mate? Well, I like the signing. I like the idea of Everett coming in. I think, I mean, we've lost, what is it? We lost Jacob Hollister to Buffalo, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Olsen, I, I mean... Olsen to retirement and then... No. Yeah, yeah Olsen retired, yeah. Um, yeah, nice, nice depth at tight end. I mean, you guys are going to kill me, but I was about to say... I think we need a solid wide receiver three. Oh. Do you know what, Matt? I'm one of those. I can justify it. Go on. Um, better. Well, <laughs> I'm, 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 just, I knew you were going to do that, Matt. I knew well, it. I'm I knew it. Oh, before we started recording, you said, I think there's, oh, he said there's more important needs. I thought, Matt, he's going to come out <laughs> with wide receiver three. <laughs> you weren't wrong. Um, um, you know, losing Dorset and David Moore to Dorset, he didn't even play. Yeah, but <laughs> take a snap. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, back up. Um, <laughs> I don't know, hear, hear me out. Um, I mean, David Moore, fair enough. Now, David Moore, you know, he was a, he was a big part. You know, he's he scored some great touchdowns, and he's he's made some big plays. And you know, that's that's two receivers gone. Mm-hmm. We're turning to yeah, he's not. He's gone to the fan control. Just as bad as Dorset, James. Yeah, come on. So (laughs) I'm. I think we need some stability at receiver. Really, I mean, yeah, we've got obviously the big two, um, but I think turning to some relatively inexperienced and relatively unknown guys. You kind of need strong receivers all round, really, in my opinion. Because you don't want to end up with, you know, oh, there's one guy open, but he can't catch to save his life. Whereas you could have an experienced third receiver who, you know, he has, he 
but he knows he knows the NFL inside and out. You know, he knows he knows the position. Well, obviously they all know the position, but you know, someone who really can hit the nail on the head playing that third receiver role. Mm. I think we need, but I don't know if Everett can play there. Then happy days, but I don't I mean, know. I'm, I, I'm I get convinced. what you're saying, Matt. I, I completely get. And 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 the books, like say, the, the books showed that in in sort of backing up your argument there in terms of having a, a an experienced receiver core in terms of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Brown, and and you know, wide receiver one to wide receiver three was all full of experience. So I completely get that. In an yeah. ideal world, that's what you'd want, I suppose. But in terms of the Seahawks, I think you've got to look at it from the Seahawks sort of situation currently and the confinement of the cap space that they're working with. Um, like you say, there's, there's, there's other positions that I think we need to fill and spend our cap space on and, and, and even extensions that are coming up. You know, Jamal Adams, if you're going to re-sign him, um, you, you, you're wanting all the spare change that you can keep a hold of, really. Um, in terms of dealing with extensions and, and, and any other free agent signs that you want to pick up. So I think from a business point of view, I mean, a lot of teams would kill just to have Lockett and Metcalf as, as, as their only receivers, I think. Um, so having a guy like, um, I forgot his name, uh, Freddie Swain, or even someone like Penny Hart, John O'Sara, all the guys we mentioned to come in and, and fill a wide receiver three role if you need it. I think saving that cap space in terms of you know and not spending it on a on a guy like Antonio Brown who cost you I don't know six to eight million something like that um, and and using guys like Freddie Swain and putting your trust in these guys and saving cap money that you would spend on other free agents and other sort of extensions and contracts I think that would make more sense but I can I, I can see what yeah. if if we were the Jets or if we were the Oh, I don't know. Any other team that has like 115 million in, in cap space, going through fucking 30 million at Antonio Brown, don't care. That's fine. I think you're in, you're in a position to do it. Um, but I think if you you look at the Seahawks now, the 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 low on cap space as it is, they've got a lot of big contracts coming up in terms of Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, and other guys that are going to need sorting. Um, if you are going to re-sign him. Even KJ Wright, if you're going to bring KJ Wright back this season, you're going to have to pay him a, a decent bit of money for, for a year or two contract. Um, so I think I think it makes more sense from a business point of view to, to stick with the guys that you've got and save that cap space for me. But I can see what you mean. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from as well. However, mm. I'm, I, I, I'm a big advocate for the way the Bucks did things this year. Yeah. And... You know they spe- oh, They've got. You mentioned the three receivers, um, Godwin, Evans, and Brown. Yeah. You know that that worked so well. Obviously, it worked pretty well. They won a bloody Super Bowl. Um, and you know, bringing in big names in every offensive weapon position. Really, I mean, they got Bronk as well at tight end. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not exactly inexperienced guys. Um, and I mean that. You know, it worked pretty well. They, 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 they took it to the highest level and won. But at the same time, it's, it's a difficult one because talking about saving cap space and stuff, you really, really need to start thinking carefully about how you use your cap space if you pay your QB too much money, mm. which, as much as it frustrates me, obviously we have done that. 
um, comparing it to Brady, as I do week in, week out, as you well know. Um, but, you know, I think, I think in terms of business and, and using the cap space effectively, it, you have to think about it as a whole. You can't just say one position. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, we can't justify that because it's bad for business. You, you have to... Yeah, it's hard. It's kind of hard to explain. You know, you, you have to use the money evenly, relatively evenly, mm. and you know, it's like it's it's just it gets a bit frustrating when you look at our cap space and it's just next to nothing mm. compared to some of the other teams who can just afford to go out and get whoever they want, whenever they want, as long as they're available. Um, but you know. I guess we'll just have to see how things go, but I would think that line, giving Russ as many weapons as we possibly can offensively, Indy arguably is, well, maybe he's coming to the end of his prime in the next few years. Who knows? But, you know, I, th- I think if we just stacked him on both sides on offense, it would work. But then again, you can't, you're not really going to win anything if you don't have a defense. So True. I don't know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, really. It's finding that balance, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like I say, I completely, completely agree with what you're saying as well. Um, so we'll get on to Gabe Jackson, um, the third signing of the off-season, um, the guard from the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, very good player. Very happy with this. Zero sacks in 2021 that he's allowed in 1,062 offensive snaps. So you can't get any better than that. The only downside to this move for me is that you have to give up draft capital to get him. Um, another fifth round pick was used to get Gabe Jackson. Um, but he signed a three year $22.75 million extension with the Seahawks um, after his arrival. So we've locked him up for the next couple of years. He's a, he's a top, he's a, he's a top guard in the NFL. Really good guard, really good player. Immediately slots in at left guard for me over Mikey Party's, uh, as, as Mikey Party's replacement. Um, and all of a sudden that offensive line looks really promising. I think you're a centre away from that being a, a, a top 10, consistently top 10 over the course of the season offensive line, which is good enough to take you to a Super Bowl. Um, just look at the Chiefs. That, that Chiefs offensive line was nowhere near top 10 in my opinion. And, and they still got to the Super Bowl. Yes, they've got Patrick Mahomes, but we've got Russell Wilson as well. Um, so, I mean, you got Dwayne Brown, Gabe Jackson, Porsick. Uh, Damian Lewis and Brandon Shell. That's a really solid, really good, as as good of offensive line as the Seahawks have had since their last Super Bowl appearances um, in this Russell Wilson and, and Pete Carroll era. Um, so it, it does look like it's really coming together. And, you know, as we've mentioned in previous uh, podcast episodes, this offensive line class, um, even, even all, like all of it, not just interior offensive line in terms of centers and guards, even the offensive tackles. This is such a deep offensive line class. You're going to find starters on the offensive line in the NFL, even on day three of this of this class. And I know, like yes, every every draft you find one or two starters in in those late rounds, but there's going to be a a, a lot of guys, like a exponentially high amount of guys in day three that come in as starters on this offensive line um, class of, of this year. So. If you can find a centre, or because I think that's the, that's the main weak point. Brandon Shell possibly at right tackle. You might want to upgrade on him if you can in the draft. But I thought Brandon Shell was pretty solid. 
um, when he was healthy. And I think he's still got room to improve, um, still in his prime years. So I'm, I'm still pretty comfortable with Brandon Shell at right tackle when he's healthy. And you've got Cedric Ogway and guys like that to back him up at that position. So that's, that's, that's not too bad. Um, so Gabe Jackson comes in, signs an extension. You lock him up. Yes, you give up a little bit of draft capital to get him. Um, but he instantly improves the offensive line. Like I say, he's a, he's a top 10 guard in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, like I say, allowed zero sacks in 1,062 snaps on a pretty poor Las Vegas Raiders offensive line last season, um, protecting Derek Carr or trying to protect Derek Carr. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty over the moon with that. Yes, in an ideal world, you would have saved your draft capital and gone and got one of the top F offensive linemen in free agency, guys like Joe Tooney and, you know, you could name all the names you want to. You know, there's quite a decent offensive line group coming into this free agent window. Um, but Gabe Jackson, it was it was a guy I, I didn't expect would be traded. I didn't expect he'd be available. I didn't see it coming. Um, but it's sort of, it, I think that's, it's, it's, it's highlighted that the Seahawks are taking Russell Wilson's concerns a bit more seriously this year. And we'll talk about Russell Wilson in, in, in more depth in a later podcast episode. We won't get too much in depth onto that whole situation um, in today's episode. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with this one. Pez, what, what are your thoughts on Gabe Jackson? Are you, are you as happy as me? Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. I think they've... Uh, they've it's a position of need on the old line. Like for me personally, um, the old line, I don't think it's in a, as a, as a of an abomination as everyone made out. Like people were raving the first half of the season about this old line, and then people got yeah. injured. The the fillings weren't good enough. Like what's um, the guy who they've just re-signed uh, beginning with an O? I can never say his name. It's just one of them. Peculiar. Oh, yeah, a boy. Yeah. Like, he came in and was awful, but mm-hmm. then he came in later in the season to stop gap, mm-hmm. and he played a lot better. Yeah, he did all right, yeah. Like, people need to remember when this o- offence fell apart in the back end of the season, the O-line, you got to look at it, like, Russ was holding onto the ball more, he was double-clutching, he was doing all this. Like, they can, they can only do so much. Yeah. So I don't think the old line was that bad, but obviously a party retired, so it's, it's a position of need. Do you know what I think it is? I think the offensive line is sort of, and rightly so in, in, in previous years, but I think it was a little bit unfair last year, like you're saying. I think they're being made as scapegoats in a way, like as sort of papering over cracks, like, oh, we'll just blame the offensive line yep. because that's and what everyone knows. Yeah, that, that's what everyone knows is, is wrong with the Seahawks. So we'll just keep blaming the offensive line, but... Yeah. When you go back at it, and like you say, that first half of the season, they were like a top five offensive line, yeah. top ten ranked offensive line, so, and then so, they fell apart when everything else fell apart. So yeah, so this is my thing with it. This is this is how I view it personally. It's like people just like they have short memories. Yeah. Like they forget the first half of the season because of how bad the second half of the season is. And like you said, you are perfectly right there. Like. You say Seattle Seahawks, bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. But people like people think the offensive line in the Super Bowl era, the Super Bowl years, mm-hmm. was the best thing since sliced bread. I was listening to a podcast where they broke it down. They went, that old line wasn't even that good. No. Like, don't put it on Russ because he's earning too much money when the offensive line can't. Don't put it on this because of that, this or that. Like, 
they've never really had a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. But like Pete Carroll does, he finds hit and hope projects, and if they pay off, they pay off. Don't get me wrong, you have Max Ungu, you had a few guys on that offensive line who were yeah. top bracket. Yeah. But, like, it's no different. There's no... It wasn't great back then, and it's crap now. It, like you said, it is. It's just a scapegoat. It's just a thing, because people don't want to face the ugly truth of the it's either Russ or it's Pete situation. Yeah. That's my view on the offensive line now. Gabe Jackson, I think, is great. It's mm-hmm. stats from last year. In a, There's a few really good pieces on there, but, yeah, not a great offensive line. Um, he held his own in his specific spot, mm-hmm. and we need that spot. It's just yeah. interesting they've not pushed the centre. They're either going to get someone in the draft who who do want, yeah, or wait till after the draft to then make a move on the centre position. But for all we know, Russ might just go. I'm fine with Polsic, yeah, because he knows me. Mm-hmm. Like people forget that part. Russ said a year two years ago he wants guys who are ready to go. And when Polsic got made centre, he said he was really happy with it because Polsic whilst he's not been playing he's been doing a lot of studying and they've been yeah. working together in the in the room to get a rapport together so when he became starting centre Russ was really happy with that so people just need to look at it and go yeah he might have his flaws he might not be great but last year was his first proper year starting a centre how do we not know he's going to develop into something you know even better yeah but then don't get me wrong, I still think they need to f- either get a backup or get someone at the same level and then let them fight out and find out what the crack is oh, there. Yeah. But yeah, I really like it. Um, I think you then look at the offensive line from the start of last year and like a boy he, who started coming on and started looking like a really good stopgap. Brandon Shell, really good. Like... It's all doom and gloom, isn't it, at the moment? Everyone just wants to shred everything, but no, I, I, it's another one I'm, I'm quite happy. Like you said as well, it clearly shows that they're showing Russ the time of day. Yeah. And people just maybe not need to listen to every single media report what's sho- shoved in their face, regardless of what angle they're trying to sh- pull it from, and just realise that the media ha- need to write something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they have yeah, to make a story. They have to blow everything up out of proportion. All Russ said was he's sick of getting hurt. He's sick mm-hmm. of getting hit. But now apparently he said the whole offensive line's a bag of dog shit, and they should all be seething and go around to his house and set it on fire. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just oh, it's madness. I, I mean, I think it's right. It's it's become very fashionable and very easy to just blame the Seahawks offensive line on on all the problems. But like I say, I think. With Gabe Jackson in there now, and 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 with the play that they did show last season, this offensive line is is as good as they've had since the Super Bowl. And I personally am as confident in it as I've ever been as confident in a Seahawks offensive line to get the job done. Um, there's plenty of experience in there. You've got a good good balance of experienced guys who've been there, done it, know how to do it. Um, and you've got exciting young guys in there like Damian Lewis and and even Porsick still pretty young, and and hope that he'll continue to develop. Um, and then any of the rookies that they bring in this year in, in a in a deep offensive line class. So no, I'm 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 quietly optimistic this that this Seahawks offensive line's gonna gonna shock a few people and gonna sort of you know put a few give a few people a few red faces and and sort of you know 
sort of hit back at the critics that have just been sort of throwing them under the bus and sort of just blaming them too quickly. Um, as so, long as as long as Pete kind of lets the offense just do what they need to do and not take too much control. Yes, absolutely. Then, that, and then we'll see that. If not, then no. We're just going to blame the offense. Oh yeah, they'll be shit after the wild card round loss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, every year. Oh, if Pete takes control, then they're then they're shit. They're, they're no better than the Bengals' offensive line. But um, no, hopefully, hopefully he'll uh, hopefully he'll give his his hat over to to Shane Waldron and just let him let him go on with it and and let him run his offense. Um, Matt, what's your thoughts on on Gabe Jackson and, and the offensive line coming into this year? Are you happy with it? You know my feelings on offensive lines. I mean, we're always the first to blame and the last to fame. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really happy with the signing because I, you know, from what I've seen of Jackson, he's he's an absolute unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very very happy with that. Um, I think as as you guys were saying, there was a, there's been a lot of frustration over our line over the last season or so, and I mean, you know, if you're getting sacked all the time as a quarterback, then something isn't going quite right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the offensive line, um, but then we had a lot of injuries, really, didn't we? We had, we had a lot of running back injuries as well, which, it, as much as it sounds strange, I mean, running backs are a big part of pass protection as well as the offensive line. So yeah. I think we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of players moving around. We had a lot of players diff- playing different positions on the line last year. I think it, it's very hard to change players up in the in the offensive line and expect them to produce the exact same workload that they did in the other positions mm-hmm. because they've got you know they've got chemistry of players that play next to them you know if you're playing next to a different guard you might have you know if you're if you're a left tackle and you're playing now right tackle um you know you you're playing next to a guard that you might not be so used to playing next to mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've got different calls, different dynamics. So I think there's a lot of, you know, as, as you guys said, that there was there's been a lot of frustration over the line. However, it's not. Nece- I don't think it's necessarily that the players are bad players. I think it's just down to injuries and just luck and maybe maybe some bad blocking schemes and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's a nice addition. I. Um, but we, I'm, I'm thinking that we don't, we didn't necessarily have as many problems as as we once thought in terms of the O line. I think it's just injuries and just luck, uh, bad luck that set us back really. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that for sure. Yeah, like say, um, I think it's a good point. Like for an offensive line to to fully work and to to get the best out of your offensive line you need stability so i think constantly chopping and changing and, and moving guys even like say even left guard to right guard it, it it is different you've got different guys next to you different calls lined up against oh, yeah. a different standard of players like you know if you're playing left tackle then arguably the top pass rushers coming after you um as opposed to playing right tackle or vice versa or you know it it's Different calls, different you know, different positions, different chemistry, different techniques. Um, so it is it is a big switch just moving guys, and, yeah, and, and yeah. you can't just expect it to work, especially not with like like say when you're asking backups to do it. 
let alone starters who are in, who are maybe be more comfortable in the NFL doing it. Um, just asking like rookies and, and backup guys to to come in and play different positions that they're not used to, then you know it, it isn't going to work nine times out of ten. So you need oh, that yeah. stability. And, and like I say, I think bringing a guy like Gabe Jackson in adds that stability, adds that bit more veteran presence again to that to that side of the offensive line and. Um, yeah, it just it 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 allows that the Seattle offensive line to to just get the stability back, and and start you know start mauling people again. Um, and, I, and like I say, I think they will. I'm, I'm really confident with this with this Seahawks offensive line. So, yeah, really happy with the Gabe Jackson signing. Um, pretty cheap. Um, yeah, for a top guard, fifth round pick, bish bash bosh job done. Kerry Hyder was the number four signing of the off season. Um, Defensive end slash defensive tackle um, again from the 49ers raiding the 49ers this off season a little bit, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I hadn't seen too much of Kerry Hyder before he signed with us. Um, wasn't too familiar with him. Um, knew who he was. Knew he knew that he was on the 49ers, but I hadn't watched too much of him. And largely, I think that's because he's had quite a few injury problems in his career. He, he's he's pretty much missed two full seasons. He's with Detroit at the start of his career for the Lions, moved to the 49ers, but he was fully healthy last season, um, which was a big plus for the 49ers on their absolutely banged-up defensive line. Um, so he sort of was thrusted into being the, the number one pass rusher for the 49ers last season, and he stepped up eight and a half sacks last year um, for the red and gold. Um, I like him. He's versatile, defensive, from what I've seen anyway. He's versatile. He can, like I say, he can play on the edge can slide in inside and play a defensive tackle. Um, he's coming in and he's, he's, I think he was doing an interview either today or yesterday. It might have been yesterday, I'm not sure. Um, but he's been quoted as saying that he's sort of hoping to emulate and, and sort of play a type, like a Michael Bennett type role with the Seahawks where he can either play on the edge or he can play a defensive tackle. He can, you know, a bit of jack of all trades kind of guy. Um, so, yeah, three years, 16 and a half million deal, 29 a little bit injury prone, but Sean, when he's healthy, he can produce, possibly has potential for double digit sacks. Um, you know, maybe a 10, 11, you know, 12 sack maximum kind of guy if he's fully healthy and starts 16 games. Um, those are the kind of numbers that he'll be aiming for and hopefully expect from him. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, at this point, any, any defensive end, any defensive tackle is welcome on this team. Um, so, yeah, he's shown he can produce when he's healthy. He's versatile. Hasn't got a lot of tread on his tyres that the traditional 29-year-old defensive end, defensive tackle would have because he has missed a few seasons um, with injury problems. Um, so he should have fresher legs than you would imagine. Um, like I say, he's got knowledge of the NFC West. Um, yeah, I like it. I, I, I can I can see why they've done it. Wasn't my first name on the list of defensive end guys that I would have liked for us to sign this season. Um, but like I say, that's a bit of a traditional theme with the Seahawks. They never go for your number one guy. They never go out and get the, you know, the, the glaringly obvious target that everyone's telling them to go and get. They go and get these guys that sort of everyone else is passing on and no one's really heard of. And, and all of a sudden they turn out to be, to be pretty good players and pretty good contributors on the team. So we're hoping that Kerry will be one of those guys. Um, Pez, what are your thoughts on him? What you know, what have you seen from Kerry Hyder and, and 
basically it's a, it's a defensive end defensive tackle signing that adds a bit more versatility and, and rotation on that on that defensive line doesn't it yeah I think I kind of like it I'm a bit unsure I think I'll have to wait till pre-season to see how he goes but I just until Dunlap came back mm-hmm. I didn't understand it I didn't get it. I understand he's had a lot of injuries, and I understand last year because I'll say now I mixed it up. I don't think it was Witherspoon. It, I was thinking of Kerry Hyder, who had who had loads of injury problems, and he had his first healthy season last year. Yeah, eight and a half sacks, a really good production, showed some really good things. But then, if you want to be nitpicky about it, you could say a lot. Some of them sacks, the majority of them sacks, were because the player completely broken down, he just picked up the pieces. The guy mm. ran into him. Or he just kind of got a free shot. He did He did beat some one-on-ones, but... Yeah. You know, but then I looked into it a bit more and I sat back on it. And then when Dunlap got signed, I was like, yeah, I love that now. Oh, yeah. Because he's... He's like the A guy. He was the guy we all wanted back, wasn't yeah. he? But what he brings, it's a bit like I said with Sherm. I think what Dunlop brings to the D-line is that veteran, role model, savvy kind of guy who, geez, everyone up, look at Jerome Reed. Mm -hmm. LJ Collier showed flashes last year and then Dunlop came and then he seemed to step his game up. Mm -hmm. Everyone seemed to step the game up around him, so I just think Kerry Hyder can only benefit from Dunlap now being back with the team so I do like it I'm, I'm quite like I'm quite happy about that um, to, to help like the edge and stuff out yeah I mean just I mean I'm looking at his contract now that three year 16 and a half million dollar deal it does seem a lot when you look at it like that if he is just going to be coming in as a kind of rotational bit of a sort of Swiss army knife kind of guy line him up defence that'll line him up defensive end um, but and, and, and we'll touch on these guys whilst we're on the, the defensive line, I suppose. We, we'll, we'll break the chronological sequence for now and, and, and touch on Mayowa and Dunlap coming back. Um, Mayowa, I think, was a really solid player before he got injured. I think he got six six sacks. Yeah, I think he got six sacks. Um, nine quarterback hits, a couple of tackles for loss as well. And, and I think he got a, a, a few forced fumbles, if I remember correctly, as well, from last season. So he was looking like he still had plenty of tread on his tyres before he got that unfortunate mid-season injury. Um, and like you say, Dunlap came in and just elevated the entire defence and, and we know what he can do. So now them two are back. I think, you know, Kerry Hyde is more of a sort of, all right, nice, we've got Kerry Hyde as well. Okay, you know, that's another nice rotational piece where, like you say, if it was just him and there was no Mayowa, no Dunlap, then it's a bit like, we're kind of just picking scraps up here and, you know, we're not really going to have a pass rush for next season. So it does seem a lot. But I think he, I think it'll be worth it for the versatility that that he'll bring. Hopefully, if he stays healthy. Uh, yeah, um, I, mean, I, I had to uh, go back on myself when my was sat because it, it, my initial thought was he wasn't that good last year. But then I looked at it, and again, it's just like Dunlap came on the team and everyone elevated. Like yeah. if you remember the Super Bowl time. That's kind of a bit what the the D line was about. You had your vets, mm-hmm. you had your vets who stabilised the line 
and then your rookies kind of like the Energizer bunnies just ran round and the vets kind of just did their thing, let the Energizer bunnies do all the hard work, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it worked. That's that's like clearly that's what Pete's trying to find again because he's in that mindset of I'm going to be able to recreate 2012, 2013. Like, it does seem like that, doesn't it? Whether you agree with that, but the moves they've made, yeah, I'm quite happy as long as. It doesn't stunt uh, Alton Robinson's playing time and progression because every time he seems to get on the field, he always seems to be there or thereabouts. Daryl Taylor as well, coming back. Daryl Taylor. Yeah. But if they don't bring KJ back, even though they probably will because if he does want to play, Mm. we'll find out if he actually wants to play or if it's all about money because if it's all about money, it's like the Seahawks or nothing. So he's either going to take what they give him or he retires. Mm-hmm. So if he actually wants to carry on playing, he's going to get take what he's given. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. But with Daryl Taylor, like I've heard a few people speak about being able to shift him around and make him that like Bruce Irving type yeah. of um, Sam linebacker kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I wouldn't like to see that, like a lot of his taping that was all to do with like his edge work and stuff like that so that's where I'd like to see him yeah. uh, I do know what you mean just back on Kerry Hyder about his contract kind of you can look at it and you think he, they see him as a starter yeah and then yeah. you run through the line and you think where does oh, he fit yeah where does he fit like you got rid of Jaron Reed so and then, like, you they're, LG, they're talking about, yeah, LG they're in. talking about moving him back inside, aren't they? Yeah, and then you move, you use, what, like, you got... Al Woods. Rasheem Green, you got Al Woods coming in, but he's just solely rotational. He was a monster yeah. at stopping the run. It's yeah. the only reason he's there. Them run-heavy yeah. teams are just, he's just going to be there. Like, that's just his job. Him and Puna are just going to be there in the middle, just eating running backs. Like we basically just swapped him for Damon Harrison, haven't we? Pretty much. Yeah, but I loved Alwoods when he was there because oh, yeah, he that's did, just yeah. what he did. He just he just stopped the run. He just killed the run, made him pass. Yeah. But then that's scary to coincide with the cornerbacks that if well, you yeah, make pass. <laughs> maybe we don't want that actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might not be a good thing. But I do like what they've got. The package. Hmm. They've got a few, a couple of aces, a couple of vets. And then a couple of youngsters, Daryl Taylor, we don't know what he is. Alton Robinson showed enough that if he grows into his second year, he could be surprise a lot of people and be really good. Yeah. Uh, showed that 2018 college form where everyone thought he was a first-rounder. So yeah. that's still yeah. in the locker. you got Rasheen Green, who is injured for most of it. And then if he comes back to his peak form, like... Slightly confident that that defensive line, we're not going to be crying about pressures, sacks, edge pressure, and all that. We're not going to be hearing all that at the no. start of the season because I, I reckon I, I'm quietly confident that we've got the D line in a good situation at this moment in time. It looks as solid as it as it's been for a long time. It looks as sort of strength in depth and as powerful in depth as it, as it has in a long time. Like I say, there's there's no guys on there that are really sort of going to get you like twenty sacks, twenty five sacks a season like, like top defensive ends do. But there's a lot of guys on there that will get you sort of ten sacks, nine sacks, eleven sacks, all between like you know each, uh, and then they all add up. And 
Yeah, a lot of strength and depth on that defensive line. Um, so I'm pretty happy with with Kerry Hyder. I think he has he has that. It, it, the problem is, like I say, with his contract, where does he fit? If you want him to be a you know a, a you know seventy percent down starter kind of guy playing most of the snaps. Um, but Matt, what, what do you think on on Kerry Hyder and, and and the defensive line and bringing back Mayora and Dunlap as well? Are you sort of you're confident as well that, that, that this Seahawks defensive line is going to be as nasty as it's been in a long time, or is there, is there something that we're not seeing that we should be concerned about? Um, yeah, I think I think we're in a we're in a good position defensively yeah. in terms of D line. Um, I'm not seeing much of Hyder, so I, I I wouldn't know what to comment on on his abilities because he's, he's came from he came from the Niners as well, didn't he? He did this indeed. Is, yeah. My mind's gone a bit blank today. <laughs> well prepared. Um, yeah, you know, if if he does a job and he, he fits in, then happy days. Again, same as the likes of Witherspoon and Everett. You know, they're not really players I've seen much of, but if if they can offer if they can offer something to the position, then you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Really. Um, obviously, we know. How our defensive line performed at the start of the season, yep. last uh, last year, and they came on big time over the years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's not they're not in a bad position now, uh, which is nice. Um, but I just I'm just I'm excited to see how it goes because if we're starting the season from where we if we started from where we left off, which we pretty much are, mm-hmm. I think anyway. Apart, apart from Jaron Reed, really, yeah. Apart from Reed, yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm all for it. If, if I'm I'm looking forward to that the the defense performance, seeing if we can actually do something compared to last year. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I rate it as long as we're not paying him far too much money. Then yeah, why not? I'll touch on Dunlap as well. Two years, sixteen point six million. Um, he's thirty two. Obviously, Dunlap, like you say, we keep talking about him that he came and he reinvigorated the the defensive line, and and Dunlap is a beast. Um, I would have preferred it on a one year deal if I'm being completely honest. Two years and sixteen point six million. Again, it it seems quite a lot. I know you gave up draft capital to get him, so you want to you want to keep him around and you want to you know make that that, that fifth round pick that we gave up to get Dunlap worth it. Um, but again, like. Could be thirty three after his after you know next season. It it a one year deal of of you know if you cut that deal in half you know one years for for like eight and a half million nine million I'd have been much more happy with. Um, but like I say, I don't think there was a massive market for defensive ends this off season either. Um, so I think Dunlap was, I mean, Judevian Clowney's still available, dare I say his name. Um, if you wanted to take another gamble on him, or, you know, if you'd have, I, I, do you know what, I will raise that. Would you rather have had Dunlap no. or Judevian? All right, fine, I won't. We'll no, move on. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> don't mutter his name. I won't, I won't raise his name. Can, can, I, can I just utter it for a couple more seconds? Because I, I, I do like Clowney, right? I, I, I do don't. like Clowney. Do it, James. Just, just give me a minute, mate. You're doing so well. I, I am doing well. I'm going to do better. Here. I am going to. I'm going to make a case for bringing Chloe back. <laughs> oh my god. Like, I know we don't. I know. I know we're not blessed with cap space. Um, but 
when Clown is fully healthy, for me, and what we saw when he played, my mind springs to games against, I think, I think it was against the Cardinals where he got that, um, the touchdown, the force fumble recovery touchdown. Um, I don't think anyone would argue that Clowney isn't an absolute game wrecker when he's healthy. Like, there's not many that single-handedly destroy offensive lines better than Clowney when he's fully healthy. And I keep stressing when he's fully healthy because that's why he isn't signed with the team. It, it's his health problems and it is his sort of, you know, reliability, consistent consistency um, of, of performing at the level that that he can do. But I, I, knowing you can never have too many pass rushes, really. I know, I know we've mentioned that, you know, where does Kerry Hyder fit in on that deal? But you can never have too many guys getting after a quarterback. So if you had the cap space... And if it was a comfortable deal that was a bit of a win-win kind of deal that what didn't break the bank and it was sort of team health, team friendly, team healthy, I think I think any pretty much any team in the league would take a chance on Jadavian Clowney. Like I, he's 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 going to be playing somewhere next season, and I'll be honest, I'd rather it be with the Seahawks. Like like what like I'm all for giving him a plan B, uh, a second chance for me. I, I can't have too many pass rushes and. Yes, I know the cap space is a little bit limited, but I like him, mate. I I I I would take another chance on that on Clowney. Was a waste of a couple of minutes of my time, James. Well, I do apologise, <laughs> but when no, Clowney comes back no. and gets twelve sacks, I'll ask for those couple of minutes. Uh, well, do you know what? Hopefully, this is another one of them where I go bold and get shot down. Go I'll on. take that, but no. No, because one, one, he's not going to come for, because he still believes he deserves top paying lineman money when he doesn't after the season he just had with the Titans. Why the hell would you want a player who had the season he had with the Titans and lo and behold had to have another... Another operation on an injury. Why, James, would you because, want to do that to yourself? Because he's a like, he's a Pete Carroll reclamation project. No, kind no, of guy. he's not. He's a write-off. He's a he's a car crash. Like he's a train wreck. He's done. Do you know, like when you get like a cat D on a car where it's just scrap. <laughs> yeah, but he he's a Lamborghini that's gone to the scrapyard. That that's what he is. Like right. if you were to go to the scrapyard, you, you saw. He's hey. now got a, like, bloody Ford Mondale 1999 engine in it. I don't know much about cars. Matt could have probably helped me with that. Yeah, yeah. What, what's a shit car, Matt? What's the worst car you can well, think of? I could have helped, but it was funny to watch you struggle there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could have put it in whatever you want and helped me out. Oh, I could have, but nah, we're not about the easy life here, are we? No, no, no. But can you see what I mean? Can you Absolutely. at least see what I mean? Matt can, right. Cheers, Matt. Oh, no, I can see what you mean, <laughs> but I just want to totally disagree with... Oh, well, you're more than welcome to, but I, I'm quite happy with that Lamborghini in a scrapyard analogy. Right? If, if you were to go into a scrapyard, right, and you, and you see a Lamborghini sitting there, it's like it's like you're watching... Like American pickers or something like that, right? They go to these places and they find 
sort of value in something that sort of other people don't think has value and, and it sells for massive amounts of money. Like, Clowney is a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or whatever you want to call it, a Tesla, anything, sat in a scrapyard, rusting away. And I think under right ownership, if, if, if we can come in and get his head right and get his, get him healthy, get him consistent, you've got, you've got a Ferrari for nothing. For, for for as as cheap as that shit car that you could imagine, like is it not worth another go? Is it is it not? Um, I don't know. No, no. I, no, I was try, I'm I was not, really trying to get on board with you here, I'm but not, not because <laughs> it's not worth for them couple of day, games of production and the. But that could win you a Super Bowl though. Not for the price he's going to cost. This is the issue. If his price was right, then 100% I'd take him back because of everything you said. Then we were on board. But everything I've heard, his price isn't right. He's totally deluded. And he's probably going to get picked up at the last minute of someone who's very desperate who's going to overpay for him, hoping everything you've just said. Well, then, fingers crossed it's the Seahawks then, because I'm having him back every day of the week. Overpay? Overpay for him? No, 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 not, not necessarily overpay for him. Right, right, okay. Just give him, like... So we'll fall know. out, because if that ever happened, that podcast will be tasty. <laughs> we'll fall out, I swear to God. I will remind you, every single podcast for the season, <laughs> of the stats what Javian Clowney did. We're moving on before I cause a civil war here. Chris Carson. <laughs> really signs. Three-year, $24.625 million deal. Third-year avoidable, again, so technically it's just a second-year, uh, two-year deal for $14.5 million. Um, he was one of them in the off-season that I looked at it and thought, it, it, it's become the thing again with running backs, um, and we're probably being a bit harsh on them as well, but there's no real value in running backs really in the NFL. They're very easily replaceable at, the, at this moment in time, or seemingly anyway, like, for me, unless you have a bona fide sort of absolute like NFL like legend kind of star star player like a Marshawn Lynch or a, you know a Walt Payton, Emmitt Smith, any of these like legendary running backs on your team in their prime, then yeah, pay them you know top money because like you know they've just got elite all world talent and in, in in like every department. Which fair enough, you pay a running back that money. Then if you've got someone like that, but for me, Chris Carson's a great player. He's a, he's a, for me, he's a top ten running back in the NFL, but he doesn't have he doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite sort of pass catching ability. Yes, he catches a few touchdowns, um, but he drops quite a few passes as well. Um, he's not fantastic with his with his catching. Um, what Chris Carson specialises in is his physicality, is finding gaps in the offensive line to run through. Um, he finds holes really well. He gets you them hard yards, um, and and he can he can he can have a little bit of turn of foot in the open field. But he, you know you don't see him going for seventy eighty yard touchdowns um, like other running backs in the NFL. Um, but for for we'll, we'll call it a two year because I'm sick of this voidable stuff because it just doesn't make sense. So I'm calling it a two year fourteen point six two five million deal. So for two years. You know, seven million a year, really, just you know, round up to eight million a year in in incentives and all that. It, that's it's it's a lot healthier than what I thought it was going to be. So I'm actually pretty happy that Chris Carson's back. Um, 
like I say, initially I would have just said just move on. You know, you, you, you know people well, people don't forget. I wish we could forget that we that we spent a first round pick on Rashad Penny. Uh, so you've got you you know you had a you've got a first round running back. You know, as your number two guy, move on from Carson, play Penny, get some value back from that first round pick. Um, and then if you want to sign a free agent running back, you know, in the off season and or draft another guy next year, um, then you can do that if you want. But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy that Carson's back. I think he, I think he is a big part of the offense, and I think he's going to be an even bigger part of the offense next year if the Seahawks are, like I say, if they're more serious about running the football. Um, so. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty I'm 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 happier than I thought I was going to be that Chris Carson's back. Put it that way, it's a cheaper deal than what I thought it was going to be, and you know, the, there's no doubt that he's a big part of our offense. So, Pez, what's your thought on Chris Carson? Are you happy with that contract? Are you happy he's back, or should we have not paid a running back that much money? No, I'm happy he's back personally. I'm glad. It, um, yeah, it's just his health, isn't it? That's my biggest yeah. thing. When I saw it, I just thought to myself, is there not someone else on the market? Hmm. I mean, when you it's... look at the Jets signing Frank Gore last season and him having like 38, 39, I know Frank Gore's like a legend as well, but like, there's no value in running backs really, is there? Not, not really. And I'm guessing Chris found that out this year because he's just market yeah. for all running backs. The market yeah. just sunk. Like there were some decent names mm-hmm. on free agency who you looked at and you went, Do you know what? That's like James Connor, James uh, Connor yeah. Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he signed back for the Broncos yet. They said they were basically gonna wait. I'm sh- yeah, sure. I'm not sure. But I then think he's gone somewhere. Has he, he gone somewhere, yeah. Um, so. But I looked at them guys, I thought, Well, why don't we look at them guys? But then I just look at them and I just think yeah, but then we've got uh, DJ Dallas and mm-hmm. Travis Homer. Travis, Travis, Travis Homer. So as well. They're a bit like them. Um, Collins, oh, yes. Collins did all right for a couple of games. He didn't show me enough. Again, injury prone. He didn't show me enough last season. Obviously, because he didn't get the snaps, but he didn't show me enough last season to to be getting too excited about him. If he's if he's got over his injuries, yeah. then yes, he's a really good, cheap guy who could surprise a lot of people and be very serviceable. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm happy with him coming back because he knows the system. Russ, Russ clearly likes him because he tweeted it out when he likes anything, like a child. <laughs> um, so he's really stoked about that. That's great to see. On the running back situation, though, don't like this heat Penny gets. I understand he's a first rounder, but he didn't choose to be a first rounder. He didn't choose no. for the Seahawks to just make an absolute whiff on a first rounder yet again. Surprise! That's not his fault. But then no, you, it's see, not, no. you see the shit he gets yeah. on social media for being injured for a whole season. He came back and literally had about three snaps. Mm-hmm. But like, but apparently. He's a dumpster fire, he's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. It's like, the guy didn't play all last year. He had a, he had a career-ending injury when he was just getting going. Yeah. Like, yeah. and to be quite honest, actually, I watched a video of him training, and he looks a lot trimmer than he, he did a couple of seasons ago. He looks a lot trimmer. Mm. Like, 
So if he's trimmed down, because he's still bulky, but if he's trimmed down, kept his strength and size... Because he is quick, isn't he? He is quick. He is. He's got what Carson doesn't have. That's why everyone dreamt about this perfect pairing. That Carson's just a, well, he's just a bull. Yeah. Penny's got that. that get to the second level, and he's yeah. gone. Like there's yeah. not a lot of people who are going to keep up with him. Yeah. Carson, on the other hand, he's just a dog. Like he's just a scrapper, isn't he? Yeah. Um. So I'm still keeping hope. That I'm glad he's come back because them two might be able to be a dangerous duo. Like we, like. We nearly saw. My only issue is, can Carson stay fully healthy with what everyone says isn't a good enough offensive line? Mm. So we've got injury-prone running back with an offensive line who, to according to everyone, isn't that good. So I give it six games before Chris Carson starts having injury problems again. Interesting. You also want me to go down a route that I said to you I wasn't going to go down. <laughs> But just touching on it, mm. Pete Carroll wants to be run first, but he yeah. doesn't want to invest into an offensive line. Scrap Russell Wilson in his contract. Scrap any other outlying factor. If Pete Carroll really wanted to invest in the offensive line, he'd do it, but he doesn't. But then scratches his head when Chris Carson, who is one of the top running backs in the league, if he could stay healthy can't stay healthy probably due to the fact as well that his offensive line isn't good enough and people yeah. get in the backfield before he's even made any progress and smash him into 12 pieces I think that's my biggest it. concern with with re-signing him again why we can't find another guy who's mm. a bit more maybe not to the same level but he can actually stay healthy yeah and like I say that that the, the two main things that Carson's always had a bit of like a, a sort of a, a, a stain on his sort of reputation was his fumbling and his health. I think he sorted his fumbling out. I, I don't think he had a fumble last year. I might be wrong, but I can't remember one. Uh, whereas in 2019, he it, it was fumbling on every other carry. It was just ridiculous. But he, he seemingly sorted that problem out. It is just his health now, which in a way sort of, you know, you can't always control your injuries. But, you know, it, hopefully he... He can, you know, evaluate, you know, why he's getting injured and, and sort of work on that. And, and hopefully we can, because I think, you know, a fully healthy 16 start, or well, 17 starts now, Chris Carson, um, he's a 1,000 yard plus running back behind a good offensive line easily. So um, I'm hoping that we could see that and, and, and he can he can earn that money. Um, Matt, what's your thoughts on Chris Carson running, coming back? Um, happy with that contract? Happy that we paid a running back? That much as he much as he earned it, um, or are we are we slightly overpaid? Should we have should we have looked elsewhere? Um, yeah, I'm I'm a big advocate for Chris Carson. Um, I think it would have been stupid of us not to re-sign him, really, because mm. he already knows you know he knows the scheme, he knows the team, he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think as as you guys have touched on injury problems, I think is going to be the main, you know, the, the the tough part of that deal is that as as we know, he's he's had a fair few injuries in his career already. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can keep, if he if he does stay healthy for the whole season, great, you know, fantastic. Um, we need someone like him. Yeah, uh, you know, he's uh, he's just 
solid. He's just a solid player. Um, I, I can't I can't see anything wrong with the fact that we've paid him quite a lot of money, but at the same time, you know, we always say don't pay running backs because they're replaceable, mm-hmm. um, unless your name is Derek Henry or Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not displeased with it. Um, I think I, I struggle with our running back with our running back situation because. I want to like them, but at the same time, I don't see enough production yeah. from run plays, and you know, it just doesn't it, it doesn't inspire as much confidence as maybe some of the other teams' running games do. Um, I mean, maybe that's to do with a combination of the number of injuries we had last year on the offensive line as well, because obviously. O-line's a massive part of, of the run game, as mm-hmm. we know. Um, but yeah, I think if we can make it work, then I'm all for it again, you know. But if if he doesn't stay healthy, then I think they're going to have to look at an option. If he gets injured partway through the season, then they're going to have to start seriously considering someone else which is a shame because I like Chris Carson I like he he brings a bit of attitude to the team yeah not that we needed any more anyway but you know it's it's nice to have someone like him on the team who can who can produce stuff you know when when he when he's fit oh yeah absolutely yeah. um like say if if Carson can stay healthy then contract's worth it for me he's a, he's a really good player and hopefully behind a an improving Seattle offensive line we can we can really see, um, you know, the, the best of Chris Carson over a full season. Um, we'll quickly touch on Tyler Lockett because I don't think we need to go into too much detail on him. Four years, 69 million deal. I've I, I read something today that apparently that makes him the 10th highest paid wide receiver in the NFL in terms of average annual salary. Um, I mean, like I say, little stop to on Tyler Lockett. He's, he's earned that contract for me. Um, no reason not to pay him. Um, the only reason you would let him go is to to try and get uh, draft capital for him in a, in a year that we don't have draft capital. Otherwise, yeah, he's, he's fully earned that money. One of the most underrated players across the board in the NFL has a great connection with DK and and and, and Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see any reason why that wouldn't happen this off season, and it has happened. He's earned every single penny of it, and uh, I, I look forward to this Wilson Lockett connection for many more years to come. What's your thoughts on that, lads? Yeah, um, my only concern with him is, is again, his injuries. Like, love mm. it, love everything about it. Production when he's healthy, amazing. But again, um, reading something the other day, like it says, like it's, this guy did an article where he linked the period of when you could either you knew Tyler was injured or he was visibly banged up to the fact that the offence just slowed completely down. Mm -hmm. He was like, just forget about DK. Essentially, Tyler is the linchpin to that whole offence because every time he seems to get injured, Russ seems to be a bit more wary and the offence seems to slow down. I thought it was a very interesting little thing that I didn't think of it from that point of view. All, All I ever saw was as seasons go on, his injuries and he, he being banged up with like 
a season-long lingering injury. Mm. It seems to affect him even more so to be the 10th t- highest paid wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I think he's massively underrated. He's one of the best receivers in the league and has been for a long time. But the injuries just are a big concern to warrant paying him that much money. Freed up cap space, so I love it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'll take it. Like you said, I'll take it. I'm, I'm happy to just keep him on, on the team. Because yeah. when he's healthy, the Cardinals, if you play fantasy football, <laughs> if you had him on your team, yeah. you were loving life that week. <laughs> I guess you had him that. on the bench. <laughs> of course well you did that. Of course yeah. you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you have in replace? Okay, I think I had... <laughs> Yeah, all right. Um, I had DK and Josh yeah. Gordon. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I can tell uh, you. He was suspended by then, wasn't he? Yeah, find it. <laughs> oh, call it. But no, I'm getting used to that. With with Tyler and Russ, they're the two arguably two of the best improvisers in the NFL. That that's why oh, yeah. Lockett and and Wilson have the connection that they have. DK can improvise because of just he, well he can pretty much do anything DK but Lockett has refined the art of improvisation in terms well, of his route running yeah you're, complete, you're completely right there uh, just, just to butt in and agree no? um, because that is it with Tyler like why I love it so much because when he is healthy it's like that Rams tiptoe in the very far corner every oh. man in the door only him and well he didn't really believe it himself until, was it, Luke Wilson came over to him and went, you're in. But Russ knew it straight away. As soon as he threw it, Russ knew it straight away. I know he believes in everything and he says all that, but he knew it just because. I don't think Tyler... I reckon if Tyler was in a different team, he might not have that, you know, scrambling ability. No, no. But it just shows how good of a receiver he is because he's just learnt off the Baldwin and then just refine the art to another level. He does look a lot like Doug Baldwin when he plays, doesn't he? Well, yeah, because they're both small guys. Yeah. Doug's taller, but they're both small guys. So, yeah. like, he learned a lot from Doug when mm. they played together. Mm. And then he just took it to another level because people just don't, like, kind of, dis- again, dismiss him. Like, he's very smart. He creates his own plays. A lot yeah. of these scramble drills... Um, it was a couple of seasons ago, but a lot of these scramble drills that him and Russ do together, like, some of them are actually made up scramble drills together. Like, oh, yeah. Tyler makes his own plays up, and then he'll take him to Russ, and he'll take him to the offensive coordinator, who then probably puts him in the trash before Pete finds it, and then starts losing his mind. But, apparently, yeah, he makes his own plays, and he does all this in his spare time, and that, like, that's how... In tuned he is with the game. Matt, quick word on Lockett. Happy with him? Oh, he's he's a great player, isn't he? I think it would have been Certainly. silly of us not to not to sign him up again. Um, you know, he's made some big plays in his time. Mm-hmm. You know my opinion on having multiple strong receivers, we despite do. the uh, <laughs> despite the uh, objection. But you know. <laughs> I'm I'm strong on I'm resting on my laurels or strong on Dorset by the sounds of it. I wasn't yeah. going to mention his name again this episode, but you've done it for me. We've done it now. Um, 
but yeah, no, I'm 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 super happy with it. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have liked you. Know, I don't think any of us would have liked to see him be traded or no. or signed somewhere else as a free agent. So yeah, no, super happy with that. Um, it's probably going to be my next Seahawks jersey as well. I imagine. Yeah, so, he's on my list. He's on my list. Quality. Um, we'll touch yeah, on the we'll touch on the two main departures for the off season. Um, we'll start with Jack Griffin. Um, I'll, I'll try not to laugh when I read that. This is no this is no you know offense to Jack Griffin, but as I read his contract, I can't help but chuckle to it because I don't understand how he's got this deal. But fair enough, fair play to him. Signed a three-year, $44.5 million deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Shaquille Griffin, and like I said, we've touched on this. We don't need to go too much into detail, but six career interceptions in 57 games and three last season. Um, I just don't understand how he's got a three-year, $44.5 million deal. Shaq Griffin is not a bad corner, but... Again, it's what we've talked about. It's consistency and reliability, and Shaq Griffin doesn't do it. He, he, he shows flashes of ability, but so many times he's just caught sleeping, caught in in, in a in a bad coverage situation, and he's just inconsistent. And for me, a three-year, forty-four and a half million dollar cornerback is someone like a you know a guy like Pat Peterson, a guy like Stephon Gilmore, who's just ultra reliable, you know, shut down like a Richard Sherman was. That, you know, it, it's that type of money that you pay guys like that for. Like, 44.5 million over, th- like, really? For Shaq? Like, He's I got am... a lot of pass deflections. Stop discrediting him, James. I'm not. He's worth every penny. All right. Mm. I, thought, I thought you were actually going to defend him there, but then you, you, you finished that sentence with he's worth every penny in a very sarcastic tone, so I won't get on your back. <laughs> he's not worth that, is he, mate? No, is he, hell? No, not at all. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, he's, he seen, comes across as a really nice guy, oh, yeah. really lovable, likable guy. So I'm happy for him to get his money. Happy yeah. for his brother to follow him, yeah. and they can keep that relationship. Love it. Just glad he's not an El Pero. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm not paying him that cash, yeah. and I'd rather like let Trey Flowers with a spoon. Randall, Reed, Amari, but uh, well, Ramard dot down the road. Anyone <laughs> else just fight out for the other corner position. Let DJ Reed just do his thing on his side, and then let them all just have a duel on the other side. Fight on the training. I don't care, but I'll pay him that much. No chance. No, like not say, the chance. I mean, like so the Jags have seemingly always got infinite cap space, so it's probably nothing to them, but. If they're really expecting to get a, a shutdown corner for that much money in Shaq Griffin, then they're going to be uh, they're going to be pleasantly surprised that 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 Shaq isn't going to give them that. I've got a thought here, right? Because everyone jokes that Jacksonville just always take X Seahawks. They just <laughs> love taking it. Do you know what I think it is? Is because remember when their defense had that like one really good season? Yeah. Essentially, they just copied Pete Carroll's defense from the Legion of Boom. Yeah. And then you just basically copied exactly how we did it. So now I just think that in their heads they think they need to get every possible ex Seahawk to re like to replicate that one good defensive season they had. 
I, I honestly think that's what it is because they've got an obsession with overpaying for ex Seahawks players. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe the owner, maybe the GM's like a diehard Seahawks fan. Maybe is well, maybe it's double agent then. Like you say. know, like when you play um, football manager and yeah. like you're, <laughs> you're a Middlesbrough player, you're a Middlesbrough. Um, fan. So you're like in conference and you cheat to get all your mid- favourite Middlesbrough players from when you were a kid and that, and maybe they're doing that. I don't know. Are you implying that Middlesbrough in the conference on my football manager say? Middlesbrough doctor. They may as well be. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on a minute. We're not going to turn this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll have our dig at you and we'll just leave it there, alright? Yeah, just leave it on the table no worries I'll pick it up Matt Chuck Griffin he's not worth that is he no good that's it (laughs) no No. No. Jaron Reed (laughs) he signs for one year five million dollars no we're moving on he's not good enough Shaq Jaron Reed signs a one-year, $5 million deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes or no, would you have brought him back for one year and $5 million? Start with you, Pez. Um, we wouldn't have brought him back for that, regardless anyway, because we released him, so he's not going to... Um, I mean, in an ideal world, if he was a free agent from another team, would you have signed Jaron Reed for one year, $5 million? Would you be oh, happy right, with okay. Yeah. You would have? On that team. Oh, for five million for a year, hundred percent. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm rubbing my hands like I'm salivating. You've got Jeremy Reed back with Frank Clark, then mm. chucking Chris Jones onto the mix, and that is a scary threesome. That that's a scary threesome. Remember what Jeremy Reed did with Frank Clark. True. And then chuck Chris Jones in there. Hmm. Who by in his own rights is a monster on the line. Yeah. Like that's a scary D line to me anyway. That's a scary three, three men on a D line you don't want to face. You better yeah. hope if you're facing the Chiefs. Like just, obviously time, and it might not be the same as when they were in the Seahawks. But just say they have that same chemistry from the Seahawks, and they take it to the Chiefs. You better have a good offensive line because they'll kill your quarterback. True. They'll murder him. I just, Jaron Reed, I'm just sick of him breaking me out, really. Like, he, 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 had a, he has that 10 sack season, whatever he had. Then he had the two, three sack season. Then he was good again last year. Like, he's just so up and down again, so inconsistent. Because, like, so, what we were paying was far too much for a guy who needs someone else, essentially, to hold his hand to True. be good. Whereas if you get him for five million for a year, you're not really committing overly too much. For a, for a lineman, like at his age and of the season he's just had, hmm. you got to remember what was it? He got eight or nine sacks last season because Dunlap came in and he just completely transformed him. Yeah. So of course, if you're the Chiefs, you're going to gamble on that because you saw what he did with Frank Clark. Frank Clark probably needs a bit of help himself to like because mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. kind of went quiet at the back end of the season from what I yeah. watched at the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And then you just got Chris Jones, who's just a beast anyway on the line. So, yeah, 100%. Like, but I'm glad we did what we did because why pay that much for someone who needs someone else to make them be good? Where you could get a Kerry Hyder in, yeah. you could get a Mayoa back, 
you've got Green, you've got LJ, Alton Robinson, Daryl Taylor, and then you've got, let's say, Maioa and Dunlap as your vets, as the yeah. pins. Build them round them, boom. Simple. And that's what I mean. Like, if I wanted a guy to look good with other players who were betting him, like, around him, then I'd, then I'd just draft the rookie, like, and put, like, if just I'm playing Jaron Reed, yeah. I, Clowney. There you go, I'm winning you back over, you see. No, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? Like, if, 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 if I was going to play Jaron Reed, give me that 10 sack a season where he's got no one else around him, and you can see Jaron Reed is, you know, on his own is you know the standout player. He's, he can hold his own and and produce those kind of sack numbers on a poor on a poor defensive line. It, like you're saying, it takes good players around Jaron Reed seemingly to get any sort of level of production out of him. So for me, that's not worth spending more cap space on that. Just you know, play one of your rookies, play one of your younger guys, let them come in, Brian Monet or someone like that, and and let him keep getting snaps and developing rather than you know keep you know playing Jaron Reed and. And, and you know trying to make him look good in in front of around other players it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, Matt, what's your thoughts on Jaron Reed? Would you've had him back if you, if if we were the Seahawks for one year, five million? Would you have signed him for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's. I mean, he's a good player, isn't he? Um, on his day, he is yeah. On his on his day, you, you don't really want to be letting anyone any 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 of your starters go but obviously it's mm. not exactly the easiest thing to do um yeah I, I you know would have been nice to have him back um you know yeah would have been nice to only 28 and he so it would have been nice to have someone like him see if he can bring some aggression or return some aggression i mean i'm looking at i just you know just searched the word jam read into google and it cbs did an article that says jaron reed wants to reap Wreak havoc, yeah, wreak havoc on Chiefs opponents after taking a pay cut to leave Seattle. For he's me, like say, go on. He's taken one and a half million less to play in Kansas. So take it out what you will, but yeah, I I would have liked him if he could have. I do put... like him. I do like him, but I just think. If you're gonna pay money for a guy who needs better players around, like I know every player needs better players around him, and and you know I, I'm not criticising him for having better players around him, but to to make that bring the absolute best out of you, but not just like the best out of you, like you're already at a good level and you're just you know taking it to another level, like what you know other players have done on the defensive line. Like Jaron Reed was like like just he 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 was. Doing nothing. There was no production from Jaron Reed, and then it took Dunlap, and then it took other guys coming in to 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 bring that any sort of production out of him. It wasn't like we were even getting any real production out of Jaron Reed, and then it just took you know it just got taken to another level. Like it, it was just nothing. It was it was just not like he was such a frustrating player to watch on that defensive line because you knew the ability that he had, but he just wasn't doing it when he didn't have anyone else around him and and. Uh, yeah, I mean it is a cheap deal. One year, five minutes. It is cheap. So, uh, uh, would I would yeah, have. Do you know what? I, I think I would for five million. I would, but not for anything more than that. Five million is the absolute top end for a one year deal. I would take for January because I just don't see the value in it really. Um, but yeah. Any any other final words on anyone that we mentioned or anyone that you you feel like we we need to mention before we hop off? Um. I think we should get Philip Dorsett back. 
If we've learned anything from this podcast, right, <laughs> don't don't put Philip Dorset in your fantasy team. Don't put uh, Shaq Griffin in your fantasy team, and don't bet on on well if if Jadavian Clowney resigns with the Seahawks, then don't bet on Pez ever doing another podcast with us. <laughs> I think that's just that's all we've learned from this podcast. That's all we've learned. Yep. But, <laughs> no, quality. Um, like I say, I think our off season. If we were, I'll, 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 we'll finish off with this, and I, I, I've thrown this on you, but we're doing it. A little off season grade so far to sum up our off season so far. If you were to grade it, A to E, A to U, whatever you want to do, what grade would you give it? For me, I'm giving it a B plus. I'll give it a B plus so far. Pretty happy with it. Mm. Mm. That's a tough one, that. I'm. I don't know. I'm not overly. It was a fucking. It was a D minus before Dunlap and Gabe and Gabe Jackson came. Right, actually no, it was an E before Dunlap and Gabe Jackson came in. But now they're in. I'm giving it a B plus. A U for uh, Matt because uh, Dunlap. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> if 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 it is on the off chance, right, that Philip Dorset is here in this podcast, I would love to have that man on to prove you guys wrong. I'd I bet he's a top bloke. Oh, I bet he is a top bloke, but I wouldn't put him in my fancy team. I wouldn't have him as a wide receiver. No. That's true. <laughs> he was a bit injured last year, wasn't he? He was a bit injured, yeah. A little bit injured. He was a little bit injured. So was Alex Smith. So, you know, he came back pretty well. True. Um, True. So, what crazy things happened? But if I was to grade it off season so far, I would say probably maybe a, a C. Yeah, a strong C. Strong got, C, got C plus. Yeah, got a nice offensive line weapon in Mr. Gabe Jackson. Mm-hmm. But we've let quite a few players go. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say about a C. It's just eh. Yeah, I'd say the same, B plus C. It's just like quite a bit of rotational pieces what might mm. build into something nice, but yeah, I'd say B plus C. I mean, for me, the, the only reason I'm giving it a B plus for me is, is you've locked in another of your top receivers for the next four, four years. You've locked in a, a top offensive lineman for the next three years. Um, you've brought back your, your, your number one running back. Brought in a few nice pass rushes and yeah, potentially a cornerback that has a lot of natural ability that if we can get it out of him, then that's potentially your number one cornerback going forward. So if if it all works out to plan, then I think it's been a really underrated off season so far. So I'll, I'll, I'll stick with a B plus, maybe a B. And I'd like say even Gerald Everett as well. You've got a nice tight end coming in there to add to, to the, uh, to the offensive weapons. So. Who again is a bit of a Swiss Army knife. He can line up outside, inside. He's also a very good blocking tight end, which which is is very valuable at the tight end position. Um, he's a big lad, can block as well. So no, I'm 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 pretty happy so far. Like I said, so when you really let Shaq Griffin go, Jaron Reed, they're the two main departures really. Um, yeah, I think I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. B plus. Um, but no, it's been it's been good to get back into it. Um, this was a little sort of 
Like I said, just a recap and a, and a sort of an overview of the off-season moves that the Seahawks have made so far. Well, hopefully they're not done yet. I think there's still a few positions that they could address in free agency um, and obviously in the draft coming up as well. Um, and we'll talk about Russell Wilson in the draft in future episodes as well. Um, well, I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, everyone to listening. Um, I hope you've jo- enjoyed it as well, lads. Um, it's been lovely speaking to you. I think we again. have indeed. It's been a good yeah. one. That... It has been a good one, yeah. Plenty yeah. of controversial opinions and, and a Philip Dorsett meme that's been born. So, yeah. You that know, there is, there is one thing that we haven't touched on that I'm going to touch on now. Yes. We've still got Jordan Brooks. Yeah, we have got Jordan Brooks. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. But you know what? We've not got We've him not on the him. podcast yet, so... We haven't not got, got him on the podcast. podcast. Yeah, exactly. So so, in the off chance that Jordan Brooks is listening to this podcast, as opposed to Flip Dorset, um, you're more than welcome to come on, my friend. Um, I have dropped you a message, so if you would stop ignoring me, please. Um, Savage. Well, you know, just because, you know, he's <laughs> first round pick and he, he's gone all big time now. He's not even responding to, <laughs> oh, to the yeah. messages, so... Um, <laughs> no, we'd love to have him on. Uh, bit of a legend, and yeah, I think he's... Uh, with, if KJ Wright doesn't come back, then... He's got a big role to play next season, even bigger than than than, uh, than this season just gone. So, no, quality player as well. So, very happy that he's with us going forward as well. Um, so, no, we'll look forward to doing some more episodes soon. And, and, and like I say, we'll talk about Russell Wilson and the draft and, and everything coming up in this hectic schedule that is the NFL um, and the off-season. So, no, thanks again, lads. Thanks again to everyone listening. Um, we have talked to you and this has been very fun. Thank you very much, lads. Thank you, man. See you later, mate. Thank you later. See you later, mate.